Hi everyone, we are United Nations Association St Andrews and this is our Global Politics Recap for the month of February. I'm Anna Pilgrim and this podcast is also hosted by Veronica Meyer, Emilia Navio and Charlie Folds. Tensions between the United States and China have worsened this month after a large suspected surveillance balloon was shot down off the South Carolina coast. The US government accused China of a, quote, violation of our sovereignty, end quote, and China responded by saying that the incident was a, quote, political farce, end quote, aimed at blocking and suppressing China and claiming that the object was merely a weather balloon. Both Japan and Taiwan have come forward to say that they have also had similar balloons fly over their territories, with Japan saying it suspects at least three to have been surveillance balloons since 2019. Following the incident, the US has cracked down on the Huawei tech company and a bill has been introduced in the Senate to ban TikTok, with politicians considering it a security threat. India's permanent representative to the United Nations, Ruchira Kambaj, voiced her concern about the spread of terrorism in Africa and Asia. She has stated that states should be held accountable for providing shelter to terrorists, potentially referring to the neighboring Pakistan. Kambaj asserts that terrorism is only able to be tackled through a consistent and unified movement from the international community. She has warned against divisive narratives surrounding terrorism, especially the classification of terrorists as far-right or left-wing. In her address, she also reinforced that the global counterterrorism strategy should continue its secular nature. The past few years, India has given over $2 million to support the UN's Office of Counterterrorism. In the past few years, India has given over $2 million to support the UN's Office of Counterterrorism. In recent years, India has faced numerous terrorist attacks, prompting this concern. In 2021, 153 terrorist attacks were reported in Jammu and Kashmir, resulting in the deaths of 274 people. Rishi Sunak has claimed his new protocol deal secures Northern Ireland's place within the Union. He believes that this deal will make the Northern Irish feel as though they are part of the same country. He believes that this deal will give its citizens autonomy over their institutions. The deal, called the Windsor Framework, removes trade barriers and gives the Northern Irish politicians the ability to veto certain European Union laws. Currently, Northern Ireland exists inside the EU single market for goods. This means that goods and products coming from the UK are subjects to checks and controls, dividing Northern Ireland from the rest of the UK. Sunak's deal keeps goods from within the UK from checks, with goods meant for the Republic of Ireland to go through a red line as they leave the UK for the European Union. This decision involves EU matters and is generally settled by the European Court of Justice. Yet the United Kingdom established this deal without consultation as Northern Ireland is not a member of the European Union. This month, the United Kingdom has suffered from mass fruit and vegetable shortages. Tomatoes and peppers appear to be the worst affected. The UK government has attributed the shortage to weather in Europe and Africa with an increase in storms and lower temperatures across the world. Additionally, due to high electricity prices in the UK and the Netherlands, less produce is being grown domestically, especially in greenhouses. This shortage is expected to last a few weeks, but certain fruit and vegetables could be affected until May. Questions have risen about whether this issue is related to Brexit. Anecdotal evidence highlights the UK as the main victim in this crisis, with other European countries appearing to have no issues attaining fresh produce. 
The BBC reports that the UK may suffer due to its lower domestic production, more complex supply chains, and a price-sensitive market making them especially vulnerable. In Colombia, 79 police officers have been released from being held hostage amid protests. In Colombia's southern province of Caqueta, violence erupted as residents blockaded the compound of an oil exploration company, Emerald Energy. 79 police officers and nine Emerald Energy employees were taken hostage. In the midst of this unrest, one police officer and civilian have already been killed. Protests like these, which occur around energy and mining operations in Colombia, are common. As communities request companies to build infrastructure and receive financial compensation as oil companies disrupt the communities and the surrounding environment. After calls from Colombia's leader, Gustavo Petro, the hostages have been released. Around 4,000 farmers were present at the protest, representing more than 150 farming and indigenous communities. On the 27th of February, Macron, president of France, pledged to reduce the French military presence in Africa. This has occurred due to the increase in anti-French sentiment which runs high in several former colonies in the Sahel, and Paris is seeking to counter any possible rise in Chinese and Russian influence on the continent. This promise to create a true overhaul of France's military bases and presence follows France's recent withdrawal from Mali. At current, France has about 3,000 troops in Africa, down from more than 5,000 two years ago, and for a decade, France has been at the forefront of operations against Islamist insurgents in the Sahel. The permanent French military presence, as well as the existence of regional currencies being common and underpinned by the French central bank, has become a target for criticism for Macron and his party, which is leading to these new decisions. On the 27th of February, The Guardian reported that the Iranian authorities have confirmed they are investigating reports that several schoolgirls have been poisoned as revenge for the role that these young women have played in recent protests against the mandatory hijab. Interestingly, it has been found that the chemical compounds used to poison the students are not war chemicals. The poisoned students did not need aggressive treatment and a large percentage of the chemical agents used were treatable. Despite the gases used not being particularly harmful, the motive behind this poisoning was to scare the protesters. These Iranian schoolgirls have been at the forefront and been the real pioneers of the recent protests. And unfortunately, these attacks have led to girls staying away from schools, as well as many parents stopping their daughters from going to school and calling for schools to be closed. A teacher from a city about 85 miles south of the capital, Tehran, reported that out of 250 students, only 50 showed up to attend classes. Further to this, angry parents were protesting outside the governor's office and several schools have been fully closed due to the pending investigation. Masi Alinejad, an Iranian human rights activist who is based in New York, called this act biological terrorism and, quote, said, it should be investigated by the UN. We need an outside organization to investigate as soon as possible. Hi, everyone. My name is Emilio Novio. First of all are the Turkey and Syria earthquakes. On Monday, February 6th at 4.17 a.m. local time, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake struck southern Turkey near the city of Gaziantep, devastating parts of Turkey and Syria. It was followed by a series of powerful aftershocks. On the same day, at 1.25 local time, a second earthquake of a 7.5 magnitude hit the Elbasan district around 80 miles north of Gaziantep. Rescuers raced to save people trapped beneath the rubble 
and get shelter and support those in Turkey and Syria who had lost their homes or were afraid to return inside. Then, on February 20th, two weeks after the first earthquake, there was another 6.4 magnitude earthquake near Antakya in Turkey, an area which was already severely affected by the first earthquakes, again followed by significant aftershocks. More lives were lost as further buildings collapsed. So far, it's been reported that more than 50,000 people have died as a result of the earthquakes, with many thousands more injured. In our description, you will find some links to donate to support Turkey and Syria in their endeavors to help and save people who are affected by the earthquakes. The UN High Commissioner of Human Rights asks all nations to work harder towards abolishing the death penalty, an ongoing practice in 79 countries. Mai Sato, an associate professor at the Faculty of Law at Manus University in Australia, said that only two of the 79 countries implementing the death penalty adhere to international standards restricting the practice to the most serious of crimes. With 11 nations implementing death penalty for capital offenses that should not be criminalized at all. This includes adultery, so-called religious offenses, and same-sex sexual acts. Climate migration in South Asia set to treble by 2050 due to political inaction on global warming. More than 62 million South Asian people will be forced to migrate from their homes due to climate disaster by 2050, according to new research from ActionAid International and Climate Action Network South Asia. Political failure to limit global warming to below 2 degrees, as per the Paris Agreement goal, is already driving 18 million climate migrants from their homes in 2020. New analysis estimates climate migration will treble in South Asia alone, a region which is badly affected by climate disasters including floods, droughts, typhoon, and cyclones. Spain enacts new feminist laws. This includes new menstrual leaf and abortion laws. The new overarching measures to ensure safe and accessible abortions are provided by national health agencies. They also eliminate reflection processes imposed on women and ensure access of all, including lesbian, bisexual, and unmarried women. In adopting the new package of laws, Spain became the first European country to introduce menstrual leave. The legislation also makes comprehensive sexual education a part of all mandatory years of schooling. It further upholds anti-discrimination measures. The related sexual and reproductive rights measures also enacted alongside comprehensive legislation addressing violence and discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity, and sex characteristics. Together, they aim at promoting social inclusion in health, employment, education, cultural, and the business sector. We'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast and would like to remind you that the link to donate to earthquake relief in Turkey and Syria is in the description for this podcast.